0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. You know, honesty is always the best policy, but sometimes, is it better to omit certain information to a customer? What if you make a mistake, but make it right? And eat the costs. Are there situations where you don't divulge all that information to a customer? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, it's Carm Capriato. Glad to have you here. Now, let's have an open discussion on ethics and your shop's reputation. And thanks to our partners, Shopware and Delphi Technologies, for bringing you this episode. You know, checking your balance when you close is a pain, unless you have end-of-day payments from Shopware It tallies up all the transactions and puts your mind at ease when you see your daily snapshot. Talk to my great friends at GetShopware.com. Hey, are you up to date on your training? Well, Delphi Technologies is proud to offer over 30 courses run by ASE certified technicians for professionals. Turn to the OE Aftermarket Supplier with over 100 years of experience. Inquire today at DelphiAftermarket.com. I'd like to introduce you to my panel, Matt Fonslow, Shop Manager, League Diagnostician, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. And from the Matt Fonslow, Diagnosing the Aftermarket Podcast, A to Z. Hi, Matt. Hello. Thanks for being here. Al Wright's here from John's Automotive, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hello, Al. Hi, Carm. Our topic... Covering and preserving your reputation. I think, I bet you think about that a lot and kind of got an idea of the talking points from our people. You know, do we talk way too much when we're explaining to people and will that hurt our reputation or build it? What happens if we do a misdiagnosis? Uh, you know, how does the customer know? And if we did and maybe there's a comeback issue, how, how do we come up and over it? We live and eat on our reputations and so much of our business does come from referrals and referrals come from having a great reputation. Matt, I want to go to you first. Thank you for bringing me this topic. I think it's a perfect venue, the Town Hall Academy, to do this. Let's uh, let's start. You've been thinking a lot about this?
1: I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer for a reputation on uh, doing the right thing. Like you said, If we did something wrong, standing behind it, especially when the client knows about it, a comeback scenario, those are kind of no brainers, you know, accept the responsibility that we should be for sure. And then in some cases it's, it's worthwhile to accept even more. The nature of this is a little bit different. The nature of this was listening to the front counter often not in the case so much of a service advisor, but usually somebody higher up, uh, an owner or manager who is maybe really involved in the back of house, kind of rambling and keep talking and disclosing more and more and more information that at some point I feel like there might be a a teetering section. There might be a, a point where there's now diminishing returns. You know, sometimes being... Completely open and honest is a good policy, but sometimes that is going to gain you more trust, a better reputation. But then sometimes when you're explaining things that maybe don't need to be explained or issues that you ran into that really they don't need to know about because you took care of it. It's not going to affect the end bill. It's not going to affect the invoice. It's not going to affect the quality of the repair. It's not going to affect the check that the client is writing to you. Do they need to know about it? And it's really just openly wondering about it. And I wanted to bounce the ideas off of you
2: and Al. And that's really the nature of this. You know, customer ask is one thing, but if there's an issue in the shop, I've always told my employees and my, my guys, hey, if, we, if something happens, we break something, uh, we're human, we're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. But it's how you take care of that. And as long as we can take care of it, There are certain things that are going to happen, and maybe the customer doesn't need to know. Like you said, the repair is still the same. The invoice is still the same. We're taking care of it. Because I think at some point you lose that reputation because even if you're taking care of it, there are some people out there that are going to say, you know, last time I took it there, they broke this. And it's something that they may not even have any idea about. So it's, it's how you take care of it. But I think you're right. I think there's a lot of times where you, you take care of it, you move on to protect your reputation, and, and you just keep
0: quiet about it. I got to chime in, guys, because you got me thinking about some surgery that I recently had. I mean, why do we constantly think of the medical field, right? And when the doctor came back, it was kidney stones, guys. And it was only like t- two months ago. And, and when the doctor came back, he did not say to me, well, Carmen, we were in there and we had to do this and we had to do that. And then this thing happened. And, we had to, and then we had to pump you full of this. I mean, I don't even know. But guess what? I woke up and I was better and everything was fine. And so what I got was two very simple things. It went great. Maybe it did or didn't. I don't know. It wasn't there. And you're going to be fine. Me, at the state of mind I was in, in finishing up this transaction, I felt wonderful. I don't know if I was going to be sore in the next day or two or three, but the fact of the matter is is I gained confidence from the very quick discussion I had about fixing the CARM car.
2: <laughs> it's the end result that matters. And, and like Matt said, I think there's a lot of times where you hear that, where where there's some rambling, whether it's a service advisor or an owner, that they do some rambling and, and they and they maybe tell too much? End result is the car's fixed and we took care of it. There's not going to be an issue. Let's move forward.
1: Yeah, I think there's examples where we do this already, not directly related to what we're talking about. But there are times that we kind of—I don't know if lie by omission is quite the right phrasing. But if there is a mistake made in the back and, and one you, you you can't really hide, it's pretty rare. And I think. Greatly frowned upon to call out specifically the technician's name who did it. You know, it's like, oh, Matt. Yeah, Matt did that. You would never do that. You you would just say we or a tech, the tech who who's not going to be named. You don't really call them out uh, when things go wrong. Now. It's probably a good thing to call them out when things go right further. That would be a way to keep building reputation, not only the shop, but the technician. So we already kind of withhold some information. like it, It's not that pertinent for you to know. And we're trying to keep building a positive reputation. Again, it's not to say there's never times to be forthcoming. We already do that. Uh, I'm just kind of wondering like, how far can this go? Should it go? And I, I think there are times where a repair goes sideways. You know, we were doing the timing chains on your car and we accidentally dropped your timing cover and it shattered, but I got a new one the same day. I'm not charging you for it. Do they really need to know about that? I mean, that's probably not even a really good example because I don't know if that helps or hurts you by saying that, but that would be something where maybe they don't really need to know.
2: Again, I think it's stuck in the back of their head, you know, that these guys, you know, last time I was there, they, even though they told me about it, they broke this. So do I want to go back there? You know? And, and like I say, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We all know what's going to happen sooner or later. I don't think there's certain things that we really just need to spill the beans and say, Hey, and like you said, even calling specifically calling out a technician, it would be in my book, a, a definite no, no. I mean, if there is an issue, As you said, it's we, us, whatever. But I don't think you call out a technician.
0: We have rules of business ethics in every business. Some of them are good. Some of them don't exist. And some of them are the best in the entire world. If the ethics were that we're going to do everything above board and honest, and we're always going to live in a make it right scenario for us and our customers, then what you did on the timing chain is you made it right doesn't necessarily have, to, it could go on the part of the work order that doesn't get published. But even if that customer comes in and says, Hey, that timing cover looked really super clean. Even if you tried to clean it, there's not a, an ounce of grease on that. Why? Hey, well, we, we made it right. Uh, we dropped it. We, we did a crash and, uh, it's irrelevant to the fact that, you know, we're, we're doing a right job, but we made it right. I think that goes further. To solidify your reputation than to say that you goofed and you broke something and then they think poorly down the road.
1: And they can become hypersensitive. We all do that, right? Do the brake repair on somebody's vehicle. They are super hypersensitive to noises, vibrations, anything like that. And that's just normal to be expected. You know, we did take care of it. We did the right thing. We got the the new part or the quality used part, whatever. They're hypersensitive now. Now it's hundred degrees outside, super humid, the AC is running, there's water running on the ground, but that timing cover you guys broke, is that is that leaking now? I'm just saying sometimes you open up a can of worms with over information. And again, it's it's really wondering out loud. And I, I think there's validity, like what you're saying. Like the intent behind it is good. We're not taking anything away from the client. They're not Uh, performing a substandard repair. Uh, We're not charging them more for our mistakes. Nothing's really changed with that end result.
2: Uh, You could maybe even argue in some cases the end result's better that's what I was just going to say, too, that, you know, there's a new part on there and it may be better than the old one. And, and as Carm was saying, if I had something and I noticed it after the fact, I'd be more willing to rave about the fact that, hey, these guys are great. They took care and made it right. Then I would be, oh, you know, these guys broke my timing cover, uh, you know, if you told them that, if they even notice it, be honest with them. So, yeah, we, we screwed up, you know, but we made it right. They're going to be more apt to talk to you or about you in a good way. Then if you told them, hey, we broke this and we made it right, they may not want to come back if they're thinking, oh, they broke this. What else are they gonna break?
0: Okay. So I'm on the dentist's chair 15, 20 years ago, and I'm all done with whatever work I was getting done. I go home and man, am I in pain. And you know, typically the Nova wears off after a while and you recover a few hours later, it's like you never had anything before. Well, man, I was so sensitive in my cheek over here and I couldn't figure it out. So the next day, I just couldn't live with it anymore. So I went in and the nurse told me at the front counter, well, the doctor hit your your cheek with the the drill and he didn't say anything about it. It was something that I noticed. Matt, to your point, I think if it's obvious and it's going to gain us favor and preserve our reputation, hey, listen... uh, We had a problem with your timing cover. We put a new one on. It's our issue. We had a problem with your timing cover. Couldn't get it back on, right? Okay. And there's your omission issue, right? That we we dropped it and it shattered. And Matt, it's almost like you got to talk about it. Again, you don't have to talk about exactly what happened. Greasy fingers, it slipped and it broke. Hey, we had a problem with your timing cover. We put a new one on. It's our dime.
1: I think there's other examples uh, when you start factoring in sublet. I don't know how many shops handle that where if you do not do alignments in-house, you send them elsewhere. Does the client know you're sending them elsewhere? I'm actually not arguing one side or the other. But if there's an issue and they show up to your shop, are you like, well, yeah, but you got to take it to,
2: down to John's Automotive. They did the alignment. There's a lot of stuff that I don't get into that, um, that I do sublet to another shop. I will say I always get permission from the customer because the last thing I want to see... Or have happen is the customer sees their car or drives by another shop and sees it there. And like Matt said, when if they come back to me about it, you know I'll take care of it and get it back over to them. But if they know about that up front that I took it to another shop, I think you you almost have to, as far as being honest with the customer. I think in a situation like that, I've always said, "Hey, we don't get into that, but I can take care of it for you. I've got uh, another shop that does a lot of that programming. We can get it taken care of." Uh, But I think you have to be honest with them about that.
0: Hey, stop guessing and get working on the next car or the opportunity to buy a second shop. Now, once you can see through the fog of numbers coming at you all day, you use less brain power to make better decisions. Start with reading the gauges on every bay and every tech with Shopware's capacity dashboard. Now, it makes it easy to see where you can squeeze in one more repair. Then get an overview of every business metric in your shop. Build your reports your way so the numbers that drive you jump out at you whenever you need them. Even if you add more shops to your operation, all the numbers end up consolidated by location or any way you want to slice and dice them. You're in control every step of the way, customizing as you go. Get a clear view. Get more profits. Get Shopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over one hundred years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. So comebacks as far as preserving your reputation, let us try to cover that topic, guys. You
1: definitely have to take responsibility for your part. What is the comeback for? Try to get that vehicle back and looked at and determine as a part of your procedure failed. The part itself, you know, the certain situations determine whether you should accept a little bit more responsibility than you truly should be held accountable for because of that, uh, you know, the reputation, trust factor, just trying to do things right. I'm not trying to imply you got to be everybody's best friend either, but uh, I think strategically there's times to take on a little bit more.
2: The first thing I think you do is get the customer, if they're upset, calm down, um, explain to them that, hey, we'll be more than happy to, to get it back in, check things out, find out what's going on. It's how it's handled, I think, is the main thing. One of the biggest things I will say uh, that I've always said, and even in previous shops that I've worked in uh, before I was an owner, is, is uh, don't give the farm away. You know, somebody comes back and they're asking, hey, you guys screwed this up. I had a a previous uh, owner that I worked for that, man, he just dropped everything and just give the whole thing away. And I think that, you know, you got to ask, well, hey, what can we do to make this right? Let the customer, because a lot of times as a, as a technician or as an owner, we're thinking, oh, Jesus, it's is going to cost us a bunch of money. And the customer may say, hey, you take care of the parts, I'll take care of the labor. You take care of the labor, I'll take care of the parts. But it's how it's handled. And I think that you have to be um, let them know that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make it right. We don't want comebacks. Again, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. Or, hey, the people that made this part, you're going to have a part failure. I mean, you've got to do what's right. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. And I've always said that. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. Uh, what would, what would be right, you know, what would make you feel better? What would make, look at it from their from in their shoes.
1: I'd like your suggestion though, of having them offer solutions. Cause a lot of times their solutions are extremely reasonable.
2: Yes. So, it's probably a lot a lot of overly, time, yeah,
1: probably yeah. overly reasonable against them where you can step up and say, oh, no, 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 wait, of course we're going to do that. But we're also, this right. needs to be included. Right. That's right. a really yeah. good point.
2: And I I think that's, it's important to, you see it that way is, is it's, you know, they've always said, you know, the person that speaks first loses and let them talk first, let them say, Hey, what, what can I do to make it right? Let them tell you what they want. Cause a lot of times, especially if it's a major job, we're thinking, Oh, geez, this is going to be a nightmare. This is going to, this is going to cost us a bunch. And you find out that, Hey, they're very reasonable in what they recommend.
0: I mean, doesn't it go without saying that if you don't do that today, you're probably going to get your arm in a sling?
1: Maybe. There's just situations. I don't even want to imply it's common. I just think sometimes there's over-transparency. You get a vehicle in, and we'll just say it's a a Chevy, a GM vehicle. It sets EGR uh, EGR codes like P0404 uh, EGR performance codes. And it's been to a couple other shops and it's gotten some new parts put on it. New EGR valves, new powertrain control module. And it still sets that code and it sets it immediately. So you're doing your analysis and you really are stuck. You have a choice between the EGR valve, wiring, powertrain control module. And let's just say using a scan tool, you can command the EGR all the way open that proves that the circuit's capable of carrying the current, the driver and the PCM's capable of carrying the current and opening it up all the way. But you've scoped the position sensor and you've scoped the uh, current itself. And at low percentage rates, the PCM just cannot control this EGR. It just bounces around. What if you were to go buy a new OE EGR valve, plug it in just to see? Because... You're kind of stuck. This has already had a couple new EGR valves. It turns out they were aftermarket. But you want to make sure. You want to be able to tell the client exactly what's going on. And you don't want to say, I, I want to guess. Please give me some money to try this uh, being at work. What if you just take on that risk yourself? You don't install the EGR valve, but you plug it in and it works. Is it worthwhile telling the client that whole story or do you say our testing led us to an EGR valve? It's most likely failed uh, or not proper. Sometimes aftermarket companies try to do a, a wide range of vehicles on a single part number and it just didn't work out in this case. So you just tell them our testing lead led us to this point. And I suppose substitution analysis could be a considered a test technique. But in this case, you had an oddball. And the EGR will fix it. You proved it. But they don't necessarily know that. You know, are you better off just keeping it minimal about that part and stating that this is what our testing led to, this should be the, re- the repair, and then boom, they leave, it's fixed. You haven't had to trash any other shops for their parts replacements.
2: A lot of times I'll ask, you know, because they, I'll tell you a lot of times, hey, I've already had it here, I've had this done, I've had that done. I always ask, you know, one, where did the parts come from? So I have that information. But if you write that story and let the customer know what your testing led to, not only do they feel maybe more confident because you're testing, you're showing, you're proving through your testing, but also when you do that, I don't think they have an issue paying for the diagnostics. I don't think, you know, you're building that value. You're letting them know that, hey, we these are the tests we ran. These are the things that we um, have tested. This is what we've come to the conclusion. Um, but you got to write that story. I hate to say it, but there's times where it's a process of elimination. You have to leave that door open. We have to start with the obvious. We have to, and I leave that door open to the customer, kind of to protect ourselves. That hey, you know, we've got to start with the obvious. This is what we're finding. We need to replace this. We'll if we need to do further testing after that, we'll be in contact with you. But you've got to follow up on that and make sure you're in contact with them as well.
0: Does the truth set you free?
2: Sometimes, you know, the old saying, the truth hurts and it does. But I think, yes, the truth sets me free because if I'm truthful with you, I sleep better at night. We've built our shop on honest and integrity. That reputation is going to be there. You're going to be known as being honest and truthful. And I think that, uh, I, I think it does set you free. I mean, I think you've got to be honest with people.
0: This past weekend, I was just chatting with a bunch of guys and a story came up about shortcuts. We're taking too much time maybe not according to the owner or the service advisor, but from the tech's perspective. And they jump to the bottom of the the tree chart and they replace the ECM. Send the customer on their way with a nice bill and says, wow, that worked. Car comes back two weeks later. I think there's some confession that we as the shop, the tech, the owner, the industry has to do or say, or do we just... Move on and try the next issue. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I guess I see two separate potential scenarios. One is at some point we have to trust our tests. We have to trust the tests and the results of those tests. And they're going to point us in a direction. The testing was rigorous and there was reason to believe that the module had failed. You have to go with what your, where your tests take you. On the flip side, it's kind of getting back to that EGR a little bit. The EGR story a little bit is I'm not seeing something jump out at me as being bad, outright bad. But, you know, I'm playing probabilities. Uh, Maybe there's some history with these vehicles, these uh, ECMs. So I'm rolling the dice a little bit. Should that have been brought up at the counter uh, when you're calling to get approval?
2: Probably. Yeah, Absolutely. that's, That's when you should have been honest. I have numerous times um, got into, especially on difficult diagnostic uh, tests, let the customer know. As you said, Matt, we've got to go with what our what our gut feeling is on the test. What the tests have led us to. Again, like I said, I always try to leave the door open and let the customer know that, hey, we've got to. This is what our tests are showing. This is what we uh, believe to be wrong. They've paid the diagnostics. I put parts on. Depending on the customer, obviously you want it to be a loyal, good customer. But I've said, hey, take this and drive it for a week. Keep me posted.
0: And I guess the do right rule is we're into this so far where we we charge them an hour. Maybe it's two and we're we're really struggling with it. Then there's a point in time where you're looking at the clock and you're considering the relationship, your reputation. You got to call the customer and say, well, listen, we need need another hour because we we can't get to the bottom of it. Or you just say, I can't call them back again. Throw the ECM on.
2: Communication is key. I think you've got to communicate with that customer, and again, leave the door open that hey, these are the things we see. We may need to do more, but this is what we're initial tests are, are leading to, uh, and that's where you call them back and say we've done this. You know whether it fixed the problem, whether it didn't. It may have helped, or or it may be somewhat better, but not completely fixed. We're gonna we're gonna need some more time to do testing, but communication is key.
1: It's kind of the, I don't know, it's either a hypocrisy of the automotive repair profession or at least the duality (laughs) that on one hand, we can devalue the heck out of ourselves. And yet we hold ourselves to these very, very high standards. I should be able to figure this car out in one or two hours. If I can't, I suck. Or we suck, we're doing something wrong. And it's like, wait a minute. In some cases, these are fairly complex issues with multiple systems interacting. And yet... We're embarrassed to call a client and say, we need more time to go down this
2: direction and this direction. And we're very, very harsh on ourselves. And I don't understand that. Why? Because as Carm was saying with the dentist or with, you know, when you get into the medical field and we always seem to bring that up, but how many times have we been to the doctor and been told, Hey, you've got bronchitis and next week, you know, you come back and you know, they charge you the office call the first time you get a medication week later, you still feel like garbage. You go back to the doctor. Oh, we're going to do this. They charge you again. We're typically, if we misdiagnose something, they bring it back. We don't charge them again for the diagnosis. But why are we so hard on ourselves to not charge that or not to uh, say, Hey, you know, how many times have you've been misdiagnosed at the doctor? We're no different. We're a car doctor.
1: I mean, when it really boils down to it is people designed and built the car. I don't think any one person truly knows how everything works on the car they built or designed, but humans, there's no manufacturer to go back to and try to get the wiring schematic for the nervous system. Or
0: I know we didn't solve the world's crisis here, but it was a very open and healthy dialogue on covering and preserving your reputation. We talked about ethics and comebacks and... And uh, all that honesty stuff, I uh, so appreciate it. Al Wright, uh, John's Automotive, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm on one of the committees that uh, helps uh, bring in great training at Vision. Thank you for all that you do there. And Matt Fonslow uh, from Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. Lead diagnostician, shop manager. And the Matt Fonslow, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z podcast. Anything he touches, he does good at. Hey, thanks. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. You too. Thanks.